I'm going to start fighting emotionally for my health, spiritually for my health, and physically for my health. And that was, I guess you could say almost the third turning point was when I actually believe that God wants me well and doesn't want to just manage my pain, but actually is a pain taker. And that I began to actually bear the stories again that I believed talking about my view of identity and who I believe God to be and how that translated into my own life. Welcome to the Storytellers Live podcast, where everyday women share stories of hope. I'm Robin, and I am here with Katie and Lindy, and we are your podcast hosts. And we've had a lot of new listeners join us over the past month or so. (laughs) Yes, welcome. (laughs) We're thrilled you found us. And I want to share a little bit of who we are and how what this podcast is about. And we really are everyday women sharing God's stories. We're sharing stories of how God has shown up through difficult circumstances, through everyday life circumstances. And then some of our storytellers come to us like Jessica did today. I'll explain in just a minute um, through online and just getting to know each other. And then other storytellers come to us from live gatherings. And we have live gatherings that meet all over the Southeast right now from Texas all the way to Georgia. And they record their stories and send them our way. And so you'll notice that some of our storytellers have an audience when they share and some of them do not have an audience when they share because they're sharing with us over Zoom. Yeah, that's right, Robin. And you know, we're just excited because storytellers is a community. And I always say we have three pillars to our ministry. One is certainly the podcast. The other is the live gatherings, which you just talked about. And then we also offer some resources and biblical content. We've got a Bible study when God shows up and That's actually based on eight of our podcast episodes, and it kind of walks you through different areas of your relationship with Christ. And we also offer a Discover Your Story journal. So if you want to sit down and spend some time with with the Holy Spirit and let Him direct you as to when He has shown up in your own life, that's another way to do that. And both of those resources are offered on our website at storytellerslive.org. And because we're a ministry, we're a 501c3. And that means that you can donate and receive a tax deduction, which if you're married to an accountant like me, people <laughs> people appreciate that. But if you want to Venmo us, I love Venmo. Everybody does it. And now we're taking, they're allowing nonprofits in, into their world. And so our Venmo is at Storytellers Live. If you click on the business side of that screen and you can donate that way or Again, go to storytellerslive.org. And this just offsets the cost of what it takes to run the podcast. That's an editor. That's a sound engineer. That's a website host. We got to pay for Zoom. We got to pay for the QuickBooks, et cetera, et cetera. And so, it also allows us to just spread stories of hope to women who don't yeah. know Jesus, don't know God, and they want to build their faith. Absolutely, Katie. I mean, we just want to give women hope. That's right. Yeah. That's right. And It allows us to grow in communities. Mm. Like Lindy just said, one of the heartbeats of what we do is our communities. And we have people reach out regularly wanting, what does it take to start storytellers in my city? And so we work with them. And so it not only helps in women hearing stories of hope through a podcast, but also just in your community, which... I love, mm-hmm. love yes. that part. And now we are going to bring you Jessica's story and to tell you a little bit about her. She reached out several months ago about sharing her story with us. And when we were praying through storytellers recently, God brought her back to mind. And so I reached back out to her and I said, tell me more about your story. And when she did, I was like, this is a story that every woman needs to hear. That's right, Robin. You heard a little bit of Jessica's story at the beginning of the podcast where she talks about God does not want to just have us manage our pain. He wants to take away our pain. He wants us to be well spiritually, emotionally, physically. And she walks us through her journey of finding that in her story. Her story is wonderful. I think it's going to encourage you in so many ways. Here's Jessica. Jessica. 
feel like I came out of my mother's womb in stress. I was told the story many times that my dad was an alcoholic and a smoker and the things that my mom had to experience. So I can only imagine the things that she was facing even before my brother and I came into this world. And I was about eight years old the first time that I had witnessed my dad physically abusing my mom. I can remember where she was. I can remember the colors that I saw. I can remember her facial expressions and my dad's all at the same time. I can smell the kerosene in our trailer because I lived in a trailer park. And so we lived in this little trailer to have kerosene to heat and no carpet on the floor. Flash forward a couple of years, I turned 12 and it was the first time that I had basically started dating, which I don't even think we should be dating at 12, but you don't know what you don't know. And at that time I was reaching to men to find that comfort, to find a really false sense of safety. See, cause all I knew for so long was the tension of yelling. I knew the, the fact that there was no, I love you present, that there was no hugs, there was no, I'm sorry. And so I would go and hopefully find it in men and starting at earliest of age of 12. And that's when that false sense of security started to come. So between the ages of 12 and 18 is when I found myself wrapped up in constant fights with my parents and no real connection with them because there was no connection in their marriage really with each other. And they didn't know how to connect with us and I didn't know how to connect with them. And so there was this constant state of of friction. And all I knew that I wanted to do was just to try to escape reality. I didn't want to be around the fighting. I didn't want to be around the yelling or the tension. I just wanted to be around something that was different. Again, still, when you're about 12 to 18, you're still trying to figure out what is right and normal and true and good. So my brother and I took very different paths in this situation. By the time he's about a year older than me. And so he took to the drug side of things and I took to the men and it was probably around 14 that I can remember even him really starting to go, you know, first into, you know, weed and then alcohol. And that's when I started to realize that we all deal with pain very differently. His reality of escape was alcohol and drugs. And my reality of escape was getting out of the house and being with men. So at 18, my began to date this one guy and I was still in high school. I was an old graduate, (laughs) an older graduate of high school, but his mom came alongside me. And I just remember her telling me in the years that I dated this guy, Hey, what's happening in your home is not okay. The way they're talking to you, the way that things are happening. And I truly believe now that I'm 33, that I think my parents did the best that they could with what they knew. And they were broken and and I was broken and we're like all these broken pieces and we're trying to pick our own broken pieces up and we're just not mending well together because I didn't even know the Lord at that time either. School had ended, that relationship had ended. And so now my parents get a divorce at 18 and we move into this really small two bedroom and there was three of us. So two bedroom apartment. And so my mom took a bedroom, I took a bedroom and my brother slept on the couch. And at that time at the divorce, my brother was really heavy into drugs. And I remember him just telling me that he had had a bad trip one day and 
he had tried to hurt one of our animals. And I knew that that was the time for me, that it was time to leave home. So at 18, I I packed up my things as much as I could. And I had to leave a lot of the things behind. And I moved in with my best friend. Her parents were like my parents. I knew them in high school. We became friends in seventh grade when I was hitting her chair with my foot. And they just took care of me. But I, I lived with them for about a year and a half. And she was moving on, you know, we're already graduated high school. You know, my cousin was like, just come, come live with me. So basically I was homeless with no place to call home. I go to move with them with my cousin. I am sharing a bed in the basement with my younger cousin, which I think she was, oh my goodness, maybe 12 or 13 at the time. And she had four kids, a dog and a husband and me all under the same house. And she just took me in and I was able to stay there and I was able to work and still do the things. And then one day she was like, Hey, I think it's time for you to buy a house. I knew I couldn't stay there forever, but still hearing those words, it just, it made my stomach sink. It made my palms start to sweat and my heart start to race because how was I going to do this? You know, how was I going to be able to support myself getting a house? I'm only 21 at the time of looking for a house or even younger. I think I was about 20 looking for this house. And shortly after that, I started looking, found a house. All in the same year, I bought a house. I accepted Jesus as my savior and I started my first fitness business. It was when I started my fitness business that I began to still turn to something new in my life. And that's when my body dysmorphia began to happen. It led me to over-exercising two hours in the gym at least, and I call it my social time. But I was there because I thought if my body looked a certain way, if I did the right things, then somebody would finally see me, finally pay attention to me. And if I had the right body, then I could have a better business. So not only was I turning to men, but then I was also turning with my body to try to find some kind of answer that my soul so desperately wanted. And I really believe in this search, it was, I just wanted to believe that somebody cared about me. So I was then, my business began to take off. So then not only here I am, even after Jesus is my savior, still turning to these things to say, Hey, will you fill me up? I had three idols in my life. I had men, I had money. And I had my body because my business became that place also where I could escape reality. I didn't have to feel what I felt. I just showed up and I worked. And that's where all of my energy really went into. Tell me what to do and I'll do it. But if you ask me what I like to do for fun, couldn't tell you because all I knew was work. I had my first turning point actually in a business mastermind. And one of the coaches, because it was a Christian mastermind. And so one of the coaches, he was more of our spiritual kind of mentor in business. He was like, Hey, this is something with God's word. And it was shortly after that, that he actually became my spiritual father. It was the first time in my life that I ever had even a father figure besides the boyfriend's dads that I dated that were kind of encouraging or at least healthy that I got to see was he came alongside me for the first time and said, Hey, like, this isn't okay. This isn't right. This is how you begin to heal. It was the first step that I ever had almost like the veil torn, I like to say, or the scales off my eyes to say that I don't have to live as a victim to my circumstance. You know, I was, I can remember being 25 and still blaming 
the way I was raised for the way I was living. And I was finally able to detach from the story and go, hey, like I actually can choose. I'm living on my own. You know, here I am taking care of myself and I can make a different choice. But you don't know that you have a choice until you begin to heal because healing comes with choice. And when I was in that situation, I just thought, This is the way life is always going to be because it's the narrative I always heard. I always heard that you're going to be poor. You have to work hard. You have to, you know, you're never going to know what it's like when you get bills and you just wait till you have a house. You're not going to be able to pay the bill. Like those are the narratives I grew up with, went into my adulthood. And for, like I said, up until not even eight years ago, shortly before I met my husband, that I began to challenge those narratives. I would say I was with my spiritual father for about, five years. And through that, he really helped to teach me what a godly relationship was. What does it look like for a man to respect you? What does it look like to respect your body? And we tackled all three idols in my life and my business. And then I met my husband shortly after I was finally getting this grip. I was finally saying, okay, like, I am okay being single. I can remember where I was when I said that I was in my like gray leopard bathrobe. And I was staring out my window and the snow was coming down super soft. I had my cup of tea because I don't drink coffee. So I hope we can still be friends. But I had my cup of tea and I just remember like, hey God, like it's okay. Because I had went through a year of hell. That's what I called it in my first book of dating and and just rejection and dating a sociopath and being cheated on and just all of these things. And I said, oh, I'm okay. And then two months later, I met my husband on eHarmony. <laughs> yes, the dating website. And that was the next turning point for me because it was the first time that I felt physically safe and emotionally safe. And I learned that when you begin to feel those things, you actually have permission to begin to bear your stories, meaning you no longer have to be in fight or flight. You no longer have to live in constant state of stress. He was there to support me. He was there to also take care of me versus my attitude, which was if I don't take care of me, nobody will. And I lived with that mentality for most of my life. And it still comes for me, even in my marriage, because I'll just tell my husband, it's like, it's okay, I'll do it. And as soon as I say that, he jumps up and he's like, would you wait a minute? And it's just this reality that I am so used to it, to doing things. And that's when the Lord was like, but do you trust me? And we've been married for five years together for seven. And I had this actual physical breakdown in my body because when you're, your body was never meant to stay in fight or flight in a constant state of stress. And I began to feel the physical symptoms and the emotional and really began to heal from the stories and the narratives about my childhood, about my parents, how I viewed my parents. I began to recognize because oftentimes when I began a healing journey, I was like, is this even working? But then you start to go, oh, that conversation didn't upset me as much. Oh, like I, I have more empathy right now. I have compassion. I don't know their story. I don't know what kind of pain she was carrying or this person. I can actually look at this, not from myself, not from a victim, not, oh, the the world is just happening to me. And when I got married, that was that huge turning point because now I've been able to help so many women bear their stories that I couldn't bear for so long. And I say bear them, meaning to actually bring them up. I think as women, we're really good at compartmentalizing and just, okay, I'm going to put it in this cubby hole and this cubby hole. And we're so busy and we're as a badge of honor. Cause I did, you know, I was so busy doing that. I wasn't 
being. I wasn't being with the Lord. I wasn't being present. And I wasn't willing to be humble because I carry a lot of pride. Nobody's going to tell me to forgive, even though the Bible is clear on forgiveness. Nobody was going to tell me how to how to respond to this person if they treated me bad. And then you go to scripture with his kindness and his goodness. He's like, but here's the other way. And now I'm on this journey where, you know, my husband and I, we got married and then we lived together because we didn't live together before marriage or anything like that. And about two years into our marriage, we finally found a church that we loved. And it was the first time I heard that God wants you well, because a long time, I believe that God was teaching you a lesson through sickness, through the bad things in your life. You know, like God just wants to teach you all these lessons and you need to make sure that you show up for them and you learn from them. So I just started saying like, oh, I deserve this because this was my, this was my sin. I made a mistake. Oh, this is probably my own doing and it's my own sin. And so when we got to this church, it was this another revelation, you know, a couple years into our marriage where I was like, okay, so I'm going to start fighting emotionally for my health, spiritually for my health and physically for my health. And that was I guess you could say almost the third turning point was when I actually believe that God wants me well and doesn't want to just manage my pain, but actually is a pain taker. And that I began to actually bear the stories again, that I believed talking about my view of identity and who I believe God to be and how that translated into my own life. And I had to learn how to let the father love me because we can easily say that we believe God is good, but do we believe God is good to us? And that's a story. That's a question that I had to ask myself. Like, I believe that God is good, but do I believe he's good to me? And not growing up with any kind of mother or father figure, I had to learn how to allow somebody that I cannot see love on me. And that takes me to really where I am today. And why I love sharing the message I do inside of Face Off With Your Feelings, because I want women to know that your feelings matter because you matter to God and that it's not about just feeling what you feel. And it's not about just feelings are bad and you should feel shame for them because you should know better. I take the middle road. I'm the bridge. I'm the one that's saying, hey, you can feel what you feel and know what you know without what you feel becoming who you are. And that's why in the book, my, my new book coming out, Face Off With Your Feelings, it's all about breaking up with the lies of your past. And one of the things I just love to say that I continue to say to myself over and over again through this journey and just want to encourage you is to challenge the way you think because it will change the way you live. One of my favorite things about storytellers is listening to a woman talk about her journey of faith and how seeds have been planted in her life. I love how Jessica spoke about her spiritual father and how he really planted that first seed of her recognizing, I do not have to be a victim to my circumstances. It just really spoke to me how that really planted the seed and then just people continued to water it and God continued to grow it. Mm -hmm. You know, she says... It, early on in her story, she says, if I don't take care of me, no one will. Mm. And God just continued to put those people in her path to say, you don't have to take care of yourself. You don't have to run this amazing business at 21. You don't have to strive and strive. You get to just rest in who God made you. And that he continued to put those people in her life, like the spiritual father and eventually her husband to say, you just get to be you. Right. 
Yes, it was very powerful to me because, you know, as believers, we do turn to those idols. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the part of her life, even when she started getting fed as a, as a believer and, she, you know, she had a relationship with Jesus, but she said, I still turn to men, money, and my body. Mm-hmm. And, and hey, it doesn't matter. I mean, we all have different idols mm-hmm. that we tend to worship, um, no matter how deep our faith is. Yeah. Yeah. And so I just, I love that God kept bringing her out of those. Yeah. Yeah. We struggle with identity. I mean, exactly. that's kind of where it is. And it's funny, you know, I always love it when God layers messages on mm-hmm. me and he layered on me with this story in that I had just read a devotion that spoke about how the phrase in Christ is, you know, spoken over and over again in the New Testament. And I looked it up 85 times, y'all, in the New Testament in Christ. So what is God telling us? I think he's telling us to recognize that we are in him. We're not just believers of him, but we are actually in Christ. And then this this devotion gave you this idea of writing your name on a card and then placing your name in the middle of your Bible to recognize that that, that's where your identity is. That Mm -hmm. is where your self-worth is. That is where your value is. You're not you're not necessarily, you know, part of the book, but you are in the book. You right. are in that Bible. And even at the end, you know, change the way that you think and you'll change the way that you live. Yeah. And so if I can change the way that I yes. think of who I am in Christ, yes. then that translates in how I live, how I believe every day. Yes. Mm-hmm. So that's our homework. Yeah. Is <laughs> exactly. Get a yes. note card. Write your name on it, stick it in the middle of the Bible and believe it. Because one of the things that Jessica says at the end is we can believe God is good, but is he good to me? And so write your name on a card, stick it in the Bible and believe what he says about you. I'm going to do that. Yes. That is my story today. That's my homework. And and who do you know that has a victim mentality? I mean, and it might be yourself. (laughs) Um, but do you struggle with that victim mentality? And what could you do to claim some truth r- related to that, that we don't have to live like our past dictates? Mm-hmm. I love how she framed that. Thanks so much for listening today. You can find us all the places online. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Storytellers Live Podcast. You can check out our website at StorytellersLive.org with all the information, all our podcasts. You can even join our email list on our website. So go to StorytellersLive.org and sign up for our email list where you'll you'll get all the information, not too much. <laughs> we don't send it out all the time, but you will find out more about podcasts and various things that we're up to in Storytellers. So have a great week and we'll talk to you next week. Bye. Bye.